Tonight on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, we're going to pay tribute to a legend who basically is the offspring of two legends. Of course, she's got a name where it's not with an S, but with a Z. I'm talking about Liza Mae Minnelli. Liza Mae, that's truly her real name, Liza Mae Minnelli daughter of Judy Garland and Vincent Minnelli. So she's got the musical DNA in her, you know, in her genes from mom and dad, you know, won the Oscar for Cabaret, um, has a very interesting following, did an album with the Pet Shop Boys. It's actually a really good album. It did, you know, it didn't sell well here in the U.S., the land of her birth, but in Europe, what was the album? The album was called Results. It came out 30 two years ago it was an album she did with the pet shop boys there are some really great songs in there and then you know i promise we're gonna talk about the humor of liza minnelli because you know liza minnelli has said that her mother her mother judy garland people didn't know that she was really funny people thought of her as a tragic figure as this this big star, this child star who became this adult and had all these problems. And Liza Minnelli has said that her mom was really, really funny. And they would say, how come people don't know you're this funny? And she says, they don't need to know that. So I have always felt that Liza basically is making up for what her mother didn't show in public. Because we all know, when you've got Liza Minnelli on TV or in a movie, she's funny. She's hilarious. Some of the shit that comes out of her mouth, oh my God. She was even on Arrested Development. Perfect vehicle for her. You know, she's a gay icon. Um, What else can I say about Liza Liza Mae Minnelli? You know, she did a really great interview with... Uh, someone who I really respect, Mr. Scott Nivens of the People's Couch and of, well, the media universe. He's he's amazing. He's very inspiring. Um, plus, of course, we can't we can't forget the Home Shopping Network episode where Liza. We don't know what was going on with Liza, where someone called from Georgia and she said hi, Georgia. So, but it's Liza. It's Liza May Minnelli. If you've never seen Cabaret, Cabaret is pretty dark. It takes place during the rise of Nazism. Mr. Joel Grey is the MC. Michael York. Yeah. Brian. And um, that one German actor is Maximilian. Where at one point in Cabaret, he's like, oh, screw Maximilian. And without missing a beat, Sally Bowles says, I do. And Michael York looks at her and says, so do I. <laughs> So Cabaret is all over the place, you know, and it was perfect for Liza Liza Mae Minnelli. In fact, she won the Oscar for it. That was the year I've talked about this often on the show where she was nominated with Diana Ross, uh, Cicely Tyson and Liza won. And a lot of it also had to do with, well, everyone knew Liza and what she had done in Cabaret. You know, she brought this this character to the screen and it's directed by Bob Fosse. So when Bob Fosse does something, whether it be all that jazz or um, sweet charity, you know, pay attention, pay attention. But Liza Minnelli, you know, whenever I've seen her on TV, she's hilarious. 
you know, of course, we're not going to talk about the marriage to David Guest. You know, her friendship with Michael Jackson. She loved him so much. But we're going to talk about the woman, Liza. Liza Mae Minnelli, who really should do more musical comedy. Mainly comedy. She is hilarious. And as I said, you know, that comes from the her gene pool. You've got Liza Minnelli, the daughter of Judy Garland and... Vincent Minnelli. And yes, there's... I can't confirm anything about Vincent Minnelli. Who knows? That's that's Vincent Minnelli. You know, if we're, if we're going to get real here, and we're talking about musical comedy, I always felt Gene Kelly was bi. But that's just my opinion. You know? But hey, it's singing in the rain. Um, But yeah, tonight we're going to talk about the effervescent Liza Minnelli. Liza with a Z. Stay tuned, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, because life is a cabaret. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Yep, we're talking about Liza, Liza Mae Minnelli, cabaret, daughter of Judy and... Vincent Minnelli. Yes, there's always been rumors about Vincent, but you know, as you can tell, Liza, she basically picked from the family business. Remember Peter Allen? Come on. If you're in between the moon and New York City. He wrote that. He wrote that. Come on. And Liza was in Arthur. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Oh my God. Let me see. My favorite moment from Cabaret is where Liza's like, God damn it, I'm gonna have a baby. <laughs> Can I find it? Mm. You know, Liza and Cabaret is is hilarious. It's just hilarious, okay? Mm. I can't play any of the songs. But, I mean, we could, but Liza, Liza would come after me, and it wouldn't be pretty. And, oh, here we go. We'll do the train scream. If I can find it. Uh, I have so many different things on right now. Here we go. Oh, I know I can sing, but I really want to be an actress. Like, um, uh, Leah, the put Oh, come on, I'm a good actor right off the screen. I thought you said she was your favorite. She makes too many faces. No, please. We made an agreement. She's done. She's too wait. One of these days, Max Reinhardt's gonna drift into the pub. Well, we never know. That's right. We never know. As happened before. What? Just last a man who's a very good friend of the head of casting for Oof asked me to sit at his table. And he's... Oh! Oh, come on. Come on. Oh! 
That's a clip from Cabaret. My favorite moment from Cabaret, this is a little controversial, maybe if you're Catholic, is when they're in the library and she's like, God damn it, I'm gonna have a baby. Yeah. You know, in fact, the mu- the uh, makeup from Cabaret inspired Alice Cooper, a good friend of Liza Minnelli's. Not Madonna's, but Liza Minnelli's. So. Let me see if I can, uh, Liza Minnelli. The HLN clip is legendary, and today is her birthday. I don't think Judy Garland would have ever thought that her daughter would just have such a, such a moment on HLN. Um, oh, God, here we go. Oh, <laughs> Liza. <laughs> Welcome to HSN. You're with Liza Minnelli today. Oh, I'm so excited. Hi, Georgia. Do you like the clothes? Huh? Do you like the clothes? Oh, yes, I got, um, I got the blouse, the scarf. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, thank you so much for taking my call. It was a great thrill. Well, it was thrilling to talk to you, and I'll remember it. Oh, there's the L. I love that's a great shot. What's that? That's a little L. I like the velvet pants, Liza. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. And it's pretty. It's it's just a little added uh, surprise. I know. Yeah. Does anything sparkle? I thought it was interesting. You don't have to sell it. It sells you. It's It's not wearing you. You're wearing it. Again, that the dress, the woman should wear the dress, not the dress wear the woman. Instead of putting on everything the socks you in and everything, mm-hmm. again, you put this on and then you do what you want to do. Sit like you want to sit. Because all you have to do is really do, the, do this. That's These it. These clothes look great. That's right. And your arms are important. Yes. How about two or three or four? What? Bracelets? The whole world do. I broke my knee. So I had nothing to do in the hospital. So I thought, well, I'll just start fooling around with stuff I loved. And, I, you know, I, I had my knee replaced. And I was lying around not doing anything. So I thought, and I started to think about things like this. It was driving me nuts, really. You know, having to sit there with my knee and not move. I'd broken my knee and to work with the, this, and I thought, I hate this. So I started working with clay. I just started working with clay. I just started to work with clay. Did you really? Yeah. So and you were just molding it on your own? Yeah. Then I started thinking about clothing. Then I started, while I was making an album, lying down. Oh, God bless you. Oh, you did? Yeah. Is there anything you can't do? Life. Oh, a lot. But if I can't do it, I can learn. That's my... Exactly. <laughs> That's what I figure. Chelsea, Chelsea, 
Come here. Put that up over your shoulder. No, not the where the bow is. The other oh, shoulder. Oh, nice. The other shoulder. Yeah. And, you, and you know that scar. Then, yeah. Put it over this shoulder. And then the middle of the conversation just drop it. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, we're getting all the lies and Nelly secrets. Yeah. Hey, take both sleeves off. Ah, loving it. And hold it a little like this. Give me this. Okay. Yes. And oh, just a, pick up the back, back the. Yeah, love it. Collar up and. And just on. do a couple of turns. Where it rests, but I love it. Yeah. That way, right? And you yeah. can even like toss it over again, couldn't you too? No, 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 don't. Uh, just once, okay? Yep. Yep. Make sure the shiny part stays. Yeah. No, but I don't. That's the one I don't want to sell. Oh, the ring? The ring? No, that's host. Oh, okay. And they look so sharp. I'm middle-aged women, you know. Yes, and you certainly proved that in that fabulous cameo in Sex in the City too, because you were amazing. <laughs> thank you. I think of you, and I immediately think of sequence. Oh, thank you. I love it. You have a beautiful wrist, Liza. Thank you. You really do. You're so beautiful. Beautiful, thank beautiful. You. You're so glamorous. Oh, thank you. You are the most wonderful woman. You are a legend, an icon, beautiful. Thank God you. Bless you. Liza's so, got a great eye. Thank you. You've just come from so much diversity, and you've overcome it. You're truly a mentor for me. Thank yes. you so much. You're my mentor, too. Liza, you look at me in those earrings. With Thank your you. fabulous face. Thank you, It's buddy. just spectacular. You are so, I have to tell you, you are so beautiful. Me? No, I'm just, oh, yeah. can I, no. You know who it is. You know who it is. Wait for you to come back again. Okay, oh, honey. We have to try, we have to have that happen. Or even though it's a one-time event, we have to work on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Liza. I mean, we're not just talking about the movies. Come on. She's done HLN. I don't know what was going on there, but it was it was hilarious, you know. Um, but as a little kid, I remember her and Arthur. You know, it's it's so funny that her ex husband did the uh, theme for the movie. Is this right here? Oh, here it is. Dudley Moore, the late Dudley Moore. We love Dudley. Here we go. Harry, a dead man. One foot. Pardon me. Oh, you're a hedge. Oh. He was feeling his father. Yeah, it's kind of late. Although I wasn't sleeping myself. Lonely. Oh, nice to meet you, Arthur. Yeah, hi, hi. Hi, Linda. Come in. Can you hate Perry's wife? Wait a minute. Linda, I've missed you. Oh. Sorry, Linda, I'm sorry. Really? What the hell is the matter with you? Nobody knocks on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
so drunk you can hardly stand up. And you're engaged. See, that's the the many moments of Miss Liza May Minnelli. Arthur Cabaret. She's done a few other films. I mean, New York, New York. New York, New York is not one of my favorite. Yeah. Liza May Minnelli, who made her debut in one of her mother's films, Judy Garland. But you know, sometimes it's good to just, uh, well, she was in The Muppets. That's what I remember. But Liza, Liza in, she wasn't in any Igmar Bergman film. She should have been. That would have been funny. And my, my guests are being very loud, but it's funny. Um, 75 years of Liza. How about that? How about that? Um... She did an album with the Pet Shop Boys in the 1980s. You know? Oh, here we go. This is a good one. I love the antidotes of Liza. It, that, that's what we're here for tonight. Is Not so much the movies, but the antidotes of Miss Liza May Minnelli. So, I'm gonna... This is, this is Liza talking about Elvis. Elvis and karate to you, Liza. Yes. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, tell all. Well, he liked to do it. He loved karate. Yes. And um, his moves on stage um, later on 
came from karate and he just he was just really into it i met him in las vegas um i had two dancers in my show two beautiful lady dancers who was us three women i hear I'm you, next <laughs> you know, and uh he, I think he kind of liked one of those ladies. Mm -hmm. So he came backstage and said, can I watch the show from that? I said, sure. And he watched and everything. Then he invited us all over. And we went over to this spectacular, I mean, I've never seen a space like that. His suite, it was just incredible. Incredible. And um, we're kind of sitting there. I'm next to Alice Cooper. Wow. We're sitting there and what a and random, oh, no. random group of people. Chubby Checkers. <laughs> Alice Cooper. Um, some porn star. I, I can't remember some which star. one. Some really, you know, right at the moment. A good one. Uh, it was Linda well, Lovelace, was it? There was. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, right. And here's she's, she's told me the story. <laughs> was there a deadpan British comedian as well? <laughs> Oh, yeah. But we're all just kind of sitting there, and he's disappeared, so we're kind of trying to chat. And suddenly, the door flies open, and I hear, hi <laughs> And he's in the room in full, you know, dress. Ninja. hi And then, it was like the Peter Sellers movie, where the guy comes out of the closet to fight him, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he suddenly, some guy, I guess his teacher, you heard, and he came from over here. <laughs> and all of us are going, gee, that's great. You're going to show the night on Rise in the Valley. Enjoy. It's you funny. do this every night? It's yeah, what do you say? It's campy. I couldn't believe it. I love your life. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I've got to say, if I, if I was Elvis Presley, I think that would be my chat-up strategy. <laughs> Elvis. No, I don't think I bother with the kung fu bit or learning martial arts. I'm Elvis. Yeah, come in. End all. Forget it. He was a nice man. Yeah, yeah. what's well, so up, So I thought, you know, let's let's just do that. Let's uh, let's do the antidotes of of Liza Minnelli. On her 75th, because, you know, it's, sometimes it's just about being silly. She's really silly. What's my favorite? Oh, when she was on Joy Behar. That's a good one. She's talking about Michael Jackson, her good friend. You know, um, that, that says something right now is, you know, that Liza Minnelli was good friends with Michael Jackson, you know. And she saw his genius. Yeah, and, uh... I don't know if she introduced him to Elizabeth Taylor. Here we go. This, but I was at your wedding. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the last one. Oh, you better. Win. I was at that wedding. Everybody in America was at that wedding. Every famous person. There were people I hadn't seen in 50 years. Jane Wyman. I know. Jane Powell. All oh, those poor people. All the Janes. That was like one row, just yeah, Janes. Janes, I know. You know? And they were so nice. To come yeah. out for it. And you know something terrible? Yeah. I only found out I paid for that. You paid for that wedding? Yes. I only found out about five months ago. Why? You did just got no, the bill? I, no, I just found out. No. Because I said to somebody, well, I mean, I, that's 
you know, and never mention that name again. We, know the name. Say, we don't have to say the name. Oh, no, no. Uh, ever. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so, I said, well, at least it was pretty. It should be. It cost however much money it cost. I said, yeah. And they said, and you paid for it. I said, oh. <laughs> so what do I have to do today? Thinking, okay, I got to go to work because I got to keep working because I got to keep paying. So you thought that he who shall be nameless, you thought he paid for it? Oh, sure. I didn't know. You know, you didn't. You, that was too, that was a sneaky thing to do. Still you with the bill. Damn, and it was a big wedding, too. No I mean, kidding. Must have cost a fortune. Oh, my God. But uh, Elizabeth Taylor was there. What did she? What was the story? She lost her shoes or something at the wedding? I think she that? left her shoes at the hotel. And so what was she at the wedding? With her slippers? No, they went back and got her shoes. Oh, but she was barefoot for... <laughs> no, we all waited. Uh-huh. You know, and Michael it's Elizabeth. Elizabeth, oh yeah, Queen Elizabeth. And Michael Jackson uh, was, uh, wasn't he the best man or an usher there? Yes. And his and brother? I grabbed him. You were friends with him, right? Oh, yes. So I grabbed him when I saw him, when I, you know, got out of there. And I grabbed him, I said, why did you let me marry him? Idiot. <laughs> and he said, he said, I thought you liked him. You look so happy. Your dress was up. I don't know. Let me go. I said, you know what? When, How could you? He said, it's over. When, Relax. When and then we looked at each other and we started to laugh. You know, we really, we, then we really started. Well, you know, you looked like you were madly in love with him. Oh, he looked like he was madly in love with you because he threw his tongue down your throat like Honey, he was going to kiss your lungs. Did you see my face? Well, you looked a little scared. A little scared? I looked like, I, just like what you said. What the? <laughs> I look like that. I know. <laughs> There's yeah. Just say WTF. That, that gets yeah. you through everything. It was similar. <laughs> well, some of the things I did to just make me laugh so hard when I think back. <laughs> well, you gotta laugh. Oh, my God. You gotta laugh. I mean, that's the thing. It but, is funny, though. I mean, it's really funny. Oh, if you can't look at it. And rewrite it. Isn't that what comedy is about? Isn't that what making it through and going forward and surviving is about? Yes, it is. Well, that's isn't why that what yeah. women are about? About yes. women in particular. Well, yes. we have to laugh because we have so much aggravation in the world. The world. Ajita. Ajita, you know. So that's the birthday girl, Liza Mae Minnelli, born... Liza Mae Minnelli, March 12th, 1946, a baby boomer, won the Academy Award for Cabaret, did Arthur, hit albums, you know, she did a really good album with the Pet Shop Boys, you know, come on, the Pet Shop Boys are famous for West End Girls and, uh, you know, It's a Sin and all that, but yeah, Liza's always been entertaining, and as I said at the beginning of the show, you know, Liza Minnelli and her sister have talked about how Judy Garland had a really dark sense of humor and she would make jokes and her daughters and son would say, how come people don't know how funny you are? And she says, oh, they, they know me as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. They don't need to know that. So I've often felt that Liza basically is compensating for her mother publicly when she's silly because Liza Minnelli is just silly, okay? You know, she was on Arrested Development 
she did a whole, she was in the last Sex in the City movie, which was not very good. Sex in the City 2, doing uh, Single Ladies. She made her debut with her mother on the Judy Garland show, 1963, and then Judy and Liza at the Palladium in 1964, you know, and uh, got her first Oscar nomination for the Sterling Cuckoo, not not a singing role, you know, but won, won the Academy Award for playing Sally Bowles in Cabaret. Cabaret is such a great movie. It's a dark movie. And I remember about 20 years ago, I was in a film class and the teacher showed us clips from different films and he showed us a clip from Cabaret. And you see this young man and he's singing this song, Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And as he's singing, a beautiful song, we think. And then as the camera pans down at this young man, he's got a swastika on his arm. You're like, oh, he's a Nazi. And the two men who are looking lovingly into each other's eyes, all of a sudden see what's going on and everyone starts to put, say, do the salute. And they get in there and leave. Now, Liza Minnelli's character is drunk and hungover in the car sleeping because she's been partying. So, you know, Cabaret is, is such a legendary movie and, and Liza Mae Minnelli, you know, hey, let's give it to Liza because without Liza and that makeup, we wouldn't have Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper has said that he is rock rock and roll. I mean, now Alice Cooper's famous for schools out for summer, but that makeup that he wore, he said he became friends with Liza Minnelli and Salvador Dali and Mae West. So... Happy 75th birthday, Liza Minnelli. You know, she's always entertaining, but I had to play those clips because, you know, this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Fuck it. We got to be silly, especially during this time. Unpleasant dreams. Happy birthday, Liza May. Get them results. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I thought, you know, I don't just want to talk about the behind the scenes or the interesting tidbits of film. I thought, you know, it's important to talk about what a film means to me. And I've watched all kinds of films. You know, I first became aware of Max von Sydow. Of course, many of us did watching The Exorcist. You know, and he had that aging makeup, which made him look older than he actually was. And um, Max von Sydow died this March, right before the whole COVID thing started to really force everyone to stay home. And um, I had rented The Seventh Seal out of curiosity i had never seen it i'd never seen an igmar bergman film i'd always heard that igmar bergman films were really depressing i've heard comedians refer to him in that aspect i had seen bits and pieces of autumn sonata which is it's ingrid bergman and um Liv Ullman directed by Igmar Bergman you know all these Swedes and um it was interesting you know and what always fascinates me is when I tell people oh it's a foreign film and it turns them off it's like oh I don't want to read subtitles if I wanted to read subtitles I'd read a book and the sad thing is I think that's a lot of people that because it because it has people from another country they don't want to touch it you know and that's the unfortunate thing is people 
going, you know, they don't like immigrants, and yet we are a land of immigrants. And, you know, um, when I first decided to watch The Seventh Seal, and that's what we're going to talk about, I thought, okay, you know, this is this is a movie from 1957. It's all in Swedish. It's, um, you know, it has subtitles. It's Igmar Bergman. It, it was dark. It was truly dark. When you have death um, on the beach and they're going to play chess. And I thought, okay. And that, that scene has been replicated. It's been parodied many, 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 many times. And that right there told me something about the movie is that chess scene where he's playing with death is probably one of the most famous scenes in cinema ever. Bill and Ted, you know, um, they they tried to parody it. Um, you know, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's Igmar Bergman at his best. And, you know, synopsis of it basically is a disillusioned knight... Um, and his cynical squire returned from the crusades to find the country ravaged by the plague. Isn't that interesting? I started watching this on the 13th of March when the stay-at-home order went into effect. And here we were dealing with a virus. The knight encounters death, whom he challenges to a chess match, believing he can survive as long as the game continues. The game they start continues throughout the story. And so there's all these different characters within the Seventh Seal that they come upon. They come upon a witch who is eventually burned at the stake. They come upon, you know, um, these music, this um, kind of clown and his family, you know, and all these different hangers on, you know. Um, and I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not going to talk about technically about it how it made me feel at first i was watching the seventh seal and i thought okay this is gonna be long it looks like an epic i was so wrong i as i dived more and more into the seventh seal you know and, and with the action you really gotta read those subtitles you've got to be fast because it is fast and there were times i'd have to go back okay what happened and the story just took on a whole nother meaning for me. And I went, oh, okay. This, this is what it's leading to. And, you know, because at first I kind of took it the wrong way. I thought, okay, I don't know how to receive this movie. They say sometimes those are the best movies that you, you're not sure if you like it at first or if you're just going to turn it off. And by the end of The Seventh Seal, I wanted to watch it again. I thought, okay, I've finally watched my first Igmar Bergman film. You know, I've like I said, I've always heard people talk about Igmar Bergman. You know, his movies are, you know, like uh, that one that he did in the 80s. Um, very long and illustrious career. I mean, you a lot of top producers and directors were all mystified by Igmar Bergman, you know, and you think of the people that acted with him, you know, Max von Sydow, Liv Ullmann, you know, Ingrid Bergman. Um, I think people thought they were related at one point, you know, because you say Ig Ingrid Bergman and then you say Igmar Bergman, you know. Yeah. I remember one time a friend of mine thought that Mer uh, uh, 
what is it, Candace Bergen was related to them. And I said, no, she's not. Her father was a ventriloquist, okay? Charlie McCarthy. But, you know, as they would say that, uh, I digress. So the seventh seal, let me just say, from the first moment that I watched it, it's in black and white. It's, you know, the ocean. And um, I thought, okay, you know, there's always... I've seen clips of other Ing- Ingmar Bergman films, and it's always either the beach, it's water, um, you know, uh, there's something to be said about him as a filmmaker. And the seventh seal, I mean, if you're going to pop your Ing- Ingmar Bergman cherry, you, you've got to do it with the seventh seal. You know, I mean, he made many, many, many films, lived to be 89 years old was a mysterious person even even till the up until the time of his death to this day we are still you know uh mystified by igmar bergman and what's interesting is and and i loved max von Sydow. i i mean you know to think okay that's the guy from the exorcist you know and this is i mean because in the exorcist remember he plays a really old man this old priest and here he is in reality you know he'd done three days of the condor and you know he was not as old you know they would have to do the makeup and all that but what's interesting is i'm gonna read something you know igmar bergman was supposedly an atheist and he said something to max von Sydow that was very very max von Sydow did an interview right after igmar bergman had died And he said, you know, I can't, out of respect, I cannot reveal everything he told me. But he said this, um, although Bergman described himself as one who had lost his faith in an afterlife, Max von Sydow stated in an interview that he had many discussions with him about religion and indicated that Bergman's belief in the afterlife was restored. And I think it had to do with... um, Igmar Bergman had said to Max von Sydow I'm going to find a way to contact you after I die and he did and Max von Sydow would not elaborate any more on the details he said it was between him and Igmar Bergman so that's a that's a very um, if you know anything about uh, the Swedes that's a very Swedish thing for the, it's between the two of them. And then in terms of religion, you know, um, when they were talking to Max von Sydow about the exorcist and about who, what he thought of the devil. And he said, you know, in Sweden, we don't see him like you do in the Western countries. We see him as this clown that always falls on his face. He never gets his way. It's like it's like Wild Coyote and, and the Roadrunner. That's how they see it in Sweden. And, um, you know, but um, the way they painted death in the seventh seal, I mean, it, you know, and he says to him as they're playing chess, you know, I know that you never lose. And Death says to the knight, what are you keeping from me? And he knows, and and, and Max von Sydow's character, the knight, has it in the back of his mind. All the while, the squire is fully, fully aware. The squire is a little more cynical than the knight in um, The Seventh Seal. Um, 
I was going for a walk today and I knew immediately I had to talk about the seventh seal. And I think the mis uh, interpretations of Igmar Bergman, you know, because like I said, people would tell me, oh, you don't want to watch that. It's depressing. It's very European. The subtitles, they would always try to scare me off with the subtitles. And I thought, what's wrong with the subtitles? And, you know, um, I think if more people were to watch films with the subtitles, they would probably open up Pandora's box and realize, oh, it's not just about American films. No, because you have all of these filmmakers, except for Michael Bay, who we don't like, um, Martin Scorsese and Kubrick and Francis Ford Coppola um, and George Lucas, who all loved Jean-Luc Godard, this French filmmaker, or Bernardo Bertolucci, you know, um, they they love those those European directors, and um, you look at um, one of the most successful directors and screenwriters of the first half of the 20th century was Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder was from Europe, and, and you know, how those comedies, you know, um, a good example of that is, you know, Some Like It Hot, which he actually has on his tombstone, you know, Nobody's Perfect. Um, you know, and so back to Igmar Bergman, you know, they revered him. They truly, truly revered him. And when I first watched The Seventh Seal, at first, I, you know, it's overload. It's like, okay, you put the phone down, leave it alone. You're immersing yourself in this very dark movie. Um, but how, I mean, you know, how it was photographed, a very, very beautiful film. I knew when i was in the the middle of watching the seventh seal i thought okay i'm either gonna love this or hate it because of the look of the film it was a beautiful beautiful film very dark subject matter and yeah it was it was hard at first you know it's it's like um stanley kubrick films you either love them or you hate them you know some people loved The Shining the first time they saw it. Some people hate it. Then they had to watch it again. And with The Seventh Seal, all I remember is thinking, I have to own this movie now. Because it left an, an effect. And I have stated that my, during COVID, my list of favorite films has drastically changed. I've seen so many different films. And it's like, oh my god. I have yet to see any more Igmar Bergman films. I will eventually, you know, but when it comes to se the seventh seal, that truly is the Piero Resistance in terms of the subject matter, the plague, okay? You know, um, you had people who were condemned as witches during the plague, all right? You had all of, you know, these people praying that, oh, the Black Death doesn't get them. You had adultery in the movie as well and what happens, you know. But at the at the heart of it, you have, you know, the knight and you have death playing chess. And it's an allegory, you know. These two men are playing and uh, it's all about his soul at the end, you know. Um, are, are they going to do the dance of death together? It's, it is, like I said, it's Igmar Bergman. It's not as dark as people told me. It's like, oh my god, it's going to be so depressing. I didn't find it depressing. I just went, oh. 
Okay, I mean, I know that people aren't going to get it. If I if I were to show the seventh seal to one of my siblings, I know they wouldn't like it. They, oh, what do you mean? Why are we watching this? Because, you know, it, like I said, not everyone's going to get it. I've stated on this show before that I took one of my brothers to go see There Will Be Blood, and he hated it. But I will say that I have a theory now, because he's a parent, he actually might enjoy There Will Be Blood in a different way. I think something about becoming a parent changes you and changes how you you view things, you know. Um, you know, The Seventh Seal. What, what can I say about this film? How it made me feel. I mean, it, like I said, during COVID, I'm watching all these movies and I'm like, and you know, I studied filmmaking. And I'm thinking maybe that's what I should do. Maybe that's what, you know, I, I had intended to do it. And, you know, here we live in the 21st century where you don't have to go to film school. You can just do it on your smartphone. You can do it on the tablet. I mean, they just put out these new tablets that have cameras basically along the lines of a film camera where you can make your own films. You can edit everything on iMovie. You can get heavy-duty software onto these tablets and edit it yourself. But then I was like, no, I'm just going to do it on the podcast, you know. And that was the whole main ethos of changing the podcast around. I thought, okay, this is a subject matter that I know about. And with The Seventh Seal, like I said, that watching The Seventh Seal truly made me rethink films that I liked. I thought, okay, this this is going to be at the top. It's not going to be at the bottom um the same could be said about the third man the first time i watched the third man i didn't get it the second time i watched the third man i was like okay and then when i watched the third man again i went oh you know and there's that really great moment with orson wells and joseph cotton and they're on the ferris wheel and he says to him how would you feel if one of those dots stopped moving would it matter to you and then he talks about the cuckoo clock, you know. Um, so, yeah, those what those movies mean to me. And that's why I thought, you know, I don't want to talk about the technical aspects of the seventh seal or how it makes, you know, it, it truly is a, a, a revolutionary film to watch. There's nothing like it, you know. Um, when Max von Sydow died, they immediately, you know, the star of the seventh seal and the exorcist you know because yeah the exorcist is this big popcorn movie um you know that scared the crap out of people i, lo- I love what mercedes mercedes mccambridge who did the voice of the demon in the exorcist the way she handled it the hysteric she says oh people were like oh it's so scary it's terrifying she's like no it's not finish your popcorn you know and her uh, relationship to that movie versus Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow's relationship to The Exorcist was totally different. I think with The Seventh Seal, I may have read that he didn't want to do it because he said to Igmar Bergman, I can't play that. And Igmar Bergman said, yes, you can. And he plays this very gaunt, you know, knight who basically has lost everything. And here he is, finally, he is at the mercy of death. And death is like, hey, let's play a game. We'll play for your soul. And that throughout the movie is them always having that game. 
to the point where death knows that the knight is hiding something from him and he's going to get to the bottom of it eventually so you know yesterday we talked about the 70s um the seventh seal came out in 1957 you know it was uh written and directed by igmar bergman you know it has a very um let's let's go through it because you know with these films uh, and and igmar bergman i mean you know what what a genius um i i was just in awe here we go so you have the squire gonor bonestrad benik egrat death niels pope joff joff max von sidau antonius block knight bb anderson mia joff's wife you know um and bb anderson was in a lot of igmar bergman films along with max von sidau and Liv Ullman. In fact, I think he had either a relationship with not just Liv Ullman, but I think B.B. Anderson as well. I, I know of Liv Ullman because, you know, whenever they mention Igmar Bergman, they mention Liv Ullman. So, you know, that's the seventh seal. It made me just, as I said, rethink everything, rethink what I truly thought of movies. I don't think people would say oh my favorite film is a is a foreign film with subtitles i could say that i could say that and you know it was also if you look at what happened the last academy awards this year um parasite won best picture and it's all in korean subtitles so finally a foreign film wins best picture that has never happened before and what if it had happened with the seventh seal the seventh seal was that brilliant you know if if it were released today yeah it would totally win everything but it doesn't exist because of awards it exists because you know of the vision of igmar bergman bringing this to the light so that's how i feel about the seventh seal you know um you can watch your michael bay films and that's fine or you can grab your balls and strike up some courage and watch the seventh seal as always unpleasant dreams Mm -hmm.